Hey, you see that uh, we're starting a brand new series today called Relationship Revival. And uh, it doesn't really matter if you feel like you have a great relationship going maybe with your spouse or your kids, your immediate family, your coworkers, whatever. Just the world that we live in right now, all relationships could use a little bit of revival, right? It could use a little bit of help from the Lord and some maybe tenderness added to it. And so the next four weeks, we're going to just continue to kind of chip away at what the Bible says about relationship and love and God's love. And so I never do this, but I'm going to to do it today. Uh, I really would need you to like be here as much as possible because each sermon builds on top of the next one. And so if you can make an effort to be here for as many of these as possible, and then if you miss, definitely catch up online. Uh, but believe God is going to speak to us and help us, whether you're single, married, uh, whether you have troubles at your workplace or, or school or whatever's going on in your life. Uh, I believe God's got a word for us and, um, and it can make a difference. Amen. All right, let's pray. We'll jump into it. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for today, Lord, and the way that you are already moving on our hearts and in our minds and in this room. God, I pray uh, that as we hear your words and hear your truths, uh, God, I pray that um, you help us not just hear them, but God, you help us live them. You help us uh, activate them in our lives so that we can be the people you've called us to be. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things I hear all the time from people is uh, they'll come in, they'll have a meeting with me, or, or I'll, I'll kind of find out what they're going through, and so I'll connect with them, and they'll just say, Pastor, I just, I just wish I would have done something about this sooner. Oh, I just wish I would have dealt with this so long ago. Because anytime we face hardship or have struggles, like nobody's excited about getting into hard things or painful situations or maybe dealing with confrontation or, or looking at our own messes. That just doesn't come natural to us. But it's so important that we deal with our issues. And here's why. Because if we don't deal with our issues, I promise you, your issues will deal with you. And so it's just better for us to say, hey, thank God that he gave us a map. Thank God he gave us a book. Thank God he gave us a guide to help us navigate through all of these different issues that we have. So it's better to deal with them now than it is for them to deal with us and uh, be that person who says, oh, I wish I would have dealt with this long ago. Amen. So I know that you got out your Bibles, you got out your notepads, you're ready to take uh, good notes about what God is going to speak to us so that we can deal with these things that God has called us to. Today, I'm talking to you about the four kinds of love that we see in scripture. There's four kinds of love. But then if we're going to talk about relationships, of course, we need to look at the person who lived the perfect life. Jesus, of course, we know he came, God came down, took on flesh and blood, dwelt among us, and he modeled the way to live. He was the perfect one. And so if we're going to take a look at relationship strength, we should look at where Jesus gets his relationship strength. And then we'll talk about the four kinds of love. So Jesus, the most important relationship model, got his strength from a very important model in his life of relationship, which is we know to be God the Father. He modeled his relationship. The scripture says, he said, I don't do anything. I don't do anything relationally. I don't do anything unless I see my father do it. And so God the Father was his relationship model. But think about it. I wrote it down like this. Jesus was so effective on earth because he understood how God the Father loved him. So there's a little kind of secret. There's a little tip here that we're going to see about how God showed his love to Jesus relationally is the same way that God shows his love to us being his children relationally. I'm going to show it to you. There's only two times in scripture that God speaks to Jesus verbally. There's only two times in scripture that God speaks to Jesus verbally. Now, what's interesting is both of those times, he says the same thing. 
which is crazy because if you think, okay, God is going to speak to Jesus on earth. He's going to speak to him as human. He's going to speak to him. Uh, these are really important words. I bet he's just going to really rattle off all these things. Yeah, instead he says the two same things. Let's take a look at them. Mark chapter 1, verse 11. Heaven, God speaks down, and a voice from heaven says this, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now, here's one little note I want to put in here. Do you know that this happened before Jesus ever did any level of ministry? A lie that the enemy loves to put on people is, oh, no, God only loves and is pleased with people who are in ministry. Oh, those singers, those pastors, those missionaries, that's who God's really happy with. No, the scripture says that God said about Jesus before he ever did any act of ministry, he said, hey, you, you're my son and I love you and I'm pleased. Three years later, we see on Mount Transfiguration, this just great, amazing moment. We see in Matthew chapter 17, verse 5, says this, While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And then I love the end here. He says, Listen to him. <laughs> Throws it on there like a dad. Hey, just listen to him. You go listen to him. <laughs> just love that part of that. But this is what he does here. He speaks to the desire of every person's heart in the way that we desire to be loved. He handles it in these three phrases. Our desire as human beings is matched and met in God's love in these three phrases. He says, you are my son, which connected him to God's acceptance. You're my son. And found acceptance. I wrote it down like this. Uh, we overcome man's rejections by embracing God's acceptance. That's one of the ways we've got to let God's love in. That's one of the ways we have to understand God's love for us. As we look at the four kinds of love and we look at how we have relationships with people, we have to come to the understanding that God has accepted us and he loves us. Point number two is this. He says, uh, he says you are my son. He said, whom I love this simplifies that God has affection for us. He's not an angry, bolt, lightning-throwing God who's so mad all the time at his evil creation. No, he's actually a heavenly father who says, you are my son, I accept you, and I, I love you. I have affection for you. Even if nobody else is showing you any kind of affection, you have a heavenly father who in his perfect love gives us affection. Can I get an amen today? We don't have to run and find it somewhere else because we can find it in him. And then he said, in you, I'm well pleased, which was affirmation. I affirm you. In you. He said, you. Yeah, I know you're messed up. Yeah, I know you made a bunch of crazy. I know that about you as my creation that you messed all this kind of stuff up. But you are accepted. And I have affection for you. And then I affirm that I am pleased in you who you are. What an amazing sort of thing of love. I wrote it down like this. We go to humans to find these three things. One of the ways that we start jacking up all of our relationships is when we go to humans and people on earth to find these three things. I wrote it down like this. Our greatest needs are fulfilled partially in people, but they are fulfilled perfectly in God. Write that down. When it comes to our relationships, when it comes to the things we're striving for, you got to hear me, young people. We are desiring this uh, affirmation. We're desiring this kind of affection over here. And we're desiring all this kind of stuff over here. But you have to understand, humans can only partially fulfill those things. Relationships can only partially. But God can fulfill all those desires perfectly. God's love 
is so much greater than human love. Now, human love is God's design, and that is his design. But human love, there's nothing that's caused more heartache than human love. There's nothing that's caused more conflict than human love, right? There's nothing that's caused more stress and sleepless nights than this idea of human love. We're in love. I thought that he loved me, right? We have all of this human thing. True love is found complete in God's love, which is what we're going to talk about in a minute. We also have a huge skew. We've really messed up the word love, especially here in America. Uh, We use the word love for everything. Uh, We say when the fast is over and we order that hot piping pizza and it's on the counter and you take your first bite and you just say, I love pizza. That's me. I was like, I I just love pizza. We also do weird things like we say to other people like, oh, my gosh, are you watching this new show on Netflix? Oh, I love that show. I love it. I love this show. We also say things like, oh, I can't wait to get home because I'm going to go into my closet and I'm going to get those sweatpants because I love those sweatpants. I love those sweatpants. Those are the good ones. Or we use love for the same thing. We say, I love my kids. Like we talk about loving bacon the same way we talk about loving our grandparents. We just, we don't have a proper understanding for this word love. We just don't, we just don't understand it. If you love everything, then you don't love anything. So we we need to learn the true context of love. We need to learn the true context of love. In America, or in our English language, we basically have one word for love, and it's love. But in the New Testament, which was written in Greek, the Greek have four words for the types of love that you can experience. The first word that we see is philea, which means friendship. This is surface level. And so one of the components or the four ways that you can experience love is through friendship. And that's a good thing. You have friends and it's surface level and that's an okay thing. But then another way that you can experience love uh, is another word of love is eros, which is where we get our terms for romantic. It's romance. It's eros. It's actually where we get the word erotic. And so get out your notepads. I'm going to teach you some things. Are you ready? But it's where we get romance, it's where we get love, it's where we get rose petals, it's where we get all of those feelings. That is a kind of love that God created. Another one is storge, which means family. Do you know that there is another kind of love that you can experience and you experience it only with family? It's just a certain kind of love that God made and it goes toward your family. You didn't choose them, but you love them. This kind of love is in place when you go like this. Oh my gosh, my storge, my family, they drive me crazy. But I just love them. You leave the gathering, you're like, oh, my family drives me crazy. And a day later, you're like, we got to get something on the calendar. <laughs> so my family's crazy, but I love them. It's like this. It's like I could be in the hospital room and I could be right there with you and I could be looking at your ultrasound picture of your child and I would say, wow, that's amazing. Congratulations. That's so amazing for you. And I would have maybe that friendship kind of love for you there. But, but if it's an ultrasound of my kid on that screen, why does that hit so different? Why would I be willing to take a bullet for that person, for a family. Why? Because that's a kind of love that God created you and wired you to walk in. Family. It's family. It's the storge love. And then the last kind of love, the fourth kind of love, is the God kind of love, which is where we get the word agape, which means this, divine and unconditional. 
It's divine and it's unconditional. It supersedes. It's above any other kind of love that you could experience. Again, these other relationships, the first three that I mentioned, they're good, but they're not fully satisfying. They're not completely fulfilling in our life. How many know what I'm talking about? But God's love is. That's why 1 John's 4, 4, 7. 1 John 4, 7 says it this way. Dear friends, let us love. This is agape. Let us divinely and unconditionally love one another. For love, agape, comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. When scripture says that, and you know this, when scripture says that God is love. Like if you want to know anything about true and pure in the best form and the best kind of love, if you want to know anything about that, then you need to know something about God's love. Are you with me today? The best kind of love is found in God. Romans 5, 8 says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. His agape love was unconditional. It was unconditional, which means this, when we were messed up and we weren't doing it right, he still had unconditional agape love for us. Aren't you glad about that today? It's the best kind of love. I wrote it down this way. The love you experience determines the love you express. So when God's calling us to be a people who love like God loves, then that means we're called to be a people that love people even when they're messing it up. Because I just read that God loves us even when we were sinners and we didn't have it all put together. And so if we're walking in agape kind of love, it's when people are messing it up and don't have it all put together, we still love them with the agape that God loved us in. Can I get an amen today? So I thought that it would be important for me to maybe bring an illustration. I think any time you can see a visual, um, it's good for us. And so I, I brought a few here, and I know it's hard to see, but um, I want you to meet Jane. This is Jane here, and um, she's going through life, and she is looking for love, like we all are. Can I get an amen? It's just every day, Lord, I'm looking for love. So she starts out her life here uh, just looking for love. And there's all these different stages of love. And so, of course, friendship love is what we first experience. So we're going to get a little pool party going. Of course, Cinderella, the best, right? Cinderella and, and Belle. Belle's hanging out here. Had to fight these away from my daughter. She takes them very serious. Not this one on the front of row, Caroline. But this is Jane. And Jane does what all the other girlfriends do. They're just out here experiencing each other with friendship love. And so they're hanging out at the pool doing what girls do, um, taking pictures of their legs and books on the beach. That's what they do when they hang out. And it's going pretty good for them so far. Until, until you wouldn't believe this, Cinderella messed up. You know what Cinderella did in this friendship? She went and bought the same pair of jeans that Belle has. And Cinderella knew Belle just bought that same pair. So they get in a big old fight about it. Cinderella, she's back to the upper attic. We're locking her away. So Cinderella, she's out on this. No more Cinderella. Now it's just Jane. It's just Jane. This friendship level, uh, it didn't last very much, but they're hanging out. It's fine. We didn't need Cinderella anyway. And so they're hanging out, except for then Belle messes up. You know what Belle did? She just went and dyed her hair the same color that Jane was just going to dye her hair. But Jane just told her she was getting ready to dye her hair that color. And so now they're in a big fight about it. So now Belle is out of the picture. And so there's just no more friendship. And so this friendship doesn't exist. The pool party is over. 
And what happens is, I wrote this down, here's the trouble with friendship. If the level of love that we only experienced was friendship, the trouble with it is this, friendship is fickle. Friendship is fickle. It's not forever. It's not ever satisfying because things change. If we're being honest, as you have friends, as you're coming up, some go away to college. It's just fickle. Life just took them in different directions. Or maybe for one of your friends, Dr. Dreamy came along and they got married and now they're gone. But friendship is fickle. So if you believe this lie, all I need in life is friends. Now we preach community and we think that community is important and you do need to have people in your life. But if you say, hey, the only level of love, I'm not going to open myself up to anybody. I'm just going to have friends. I'm going to keep it at this surface level. All I'm going to do is this. What you have to understand is it won't be fulfilling because friendship is just fickle, isn't it? But what we need to do is just say, forget the friends. Let's move on to the next kind of love. And Jane says, it's time for a little eros. It's time for a little romance. Now, Tarzan over here, he is, he's like most of us guys, just six pack. He's ripped, full head of hair, just like how ladies like him in a loincloth, you know. He's adventurous. Look how adventurous he is. He's not even wearing a seatbelt. He is so exciting, this guy here. And, uh, and he's, he's such a man, he doesn't even have a problem driving a purple Jeep. He doesn't even care about that. So Jane's like, ooh, wow, I like that. So she says, oh, we, we should just hang out. Everything will be an adventure. I just need romance in my life. Well, let's go to those fancy dinners where we can go and go out and get some wine and have some pasta. And it'll be so romantic and adventurous. And then after that, we'll just go sit on the park bench and just watch the sunset and make out till dark. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> Right. And so romance, this is where we'll be ever satisfied because he's just the man. This is what we're going to do forever. We'll be forever satisfied, except for my point number two about romance. The reality of romance is that romance, romantic love is fading. It's fading. You, you, you're always chasing. You're always pursuing. It's not eternal. The reality about Tarzan is most of this hair, once he gets older, will end up in his ears, his nose and on his back. <laughs> And uh, that abs, those abs, they turn into a dad bod. You know, they're going to move. Those abs, things are going to change. The upper pecs will go to different places. And some of the recklessness of Tarzan is just not as fun anymore for Jane. And so all this changes. And, and the, part, the hard part for Jane, you know, is like for Tarzan, things change with Jane too. Uh, what, what we understand is, you know, I feel bad for most women because when they get to heaven, we're not going to even recognize them because your plastic surgery, your Botox and your makeup don't make it to heaven. That stays here on earth. And so we're going to be like, who's this following us around? I don't till we hear your voice. Oh, oh my gosh. You haven't. <laughs> I'll be careful. So then you get older and romance has faded. And so it's like, hey, hey, what, what do you think about? Maybe we should go out tonight to that fancy dinner and get some of that pasta. Oh, I can't go eat pasta. I've been gassy all day. <laughs> Just doesn't hit like it did when we were young. Well, what about the park bench? Maybe we should go to the park bench and watch the sunset. And say, you know, I can't sit on that park bench. That'll mess my back up. I'll be at the chiropractor Peasley for a month. Can't do that anymore. We're old because romance Romance is fading. It doesn't last forever. Are you with me? So then the next thing we do is we go like, okay, I know it will solve it. Uh-oh, Caroline, I just broke her toy. I know, I built it. That's why it broke. 
So we just need, this is what's going to do it. We need storge. We need family. You know, they do what kids do. They just lay around all day. It's fine. <laughs> Useless. So here's what happens with storge. I'm just telling the truth today. I don't know why that looks, that looks aggressive. Jane, put your hand down. But so here's what we do. Okay, romance faded. I know what we need. We need a family. We need to have a family. This will make us so happy. We're just going to move into the next phase. We're going to start our own store game. We're going to have a family. Now, all of these things are good. I'm not against any of these things. But the reality about family, I don't know if you've discovered this, but family is draining. Family is draining. Family can be exhausting. You work all day to clean the house and build the toys and they break. And then you do all these things. You work and you work and you work. You do all of these things and you think that it's going to satisfy you. My point number three is this. The family kind of love can be frustrating. We think, oh, if we just get the kids and we get the house and we do the thing and we do all this, then we're going to be eternally satisfied. We're going to have everything that we need. And it's all good stuff. But how many know it's not totally satisfying? So what we need to do is we need to tap into that last one, which is the agape love, which is divine and unconditional. I wrote it down like this. It's never changing and it's ever satisfying. So what Jane needs to do, she needs to find and connect her heart to the God who gives us that agape love. She needs to find herself in him because when she's connected in that kind of love, it makes its way into all the other categories of love and she can experience divine and unconditional love through all three categories. Are you with me today? So my last few minutes, how do we do it? I wrote it down like this. Number four, God's love, agape kind of love is foundational. It sets the base for everything else. If you say, no, no, we're going to have a great marriage or we're going to have a great relationship or we're going to go through life great because I'm going to be a great friend and I'm going to be very romantic. If you don't have God's love at the foundation, you're going to find failure. God's love, agape love is what carries us through it all. Friends may fail. But agape love, God's love never fails. Romance may fail, but agape love never fails. Family may fail, but agape love never fails. Romans 5.5 5 says this, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. It didn't say into our heads, into our minds, into our thoughts. It says that God has poured out his love into our hearts. Our desire for love has been poured out by the Holy Spirit. It says, who has been given to us, poured into our hearts. 2 Thessalonians 3, 5 says this, May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. My question for you this morning is, who's directing your heart? Is it friends? Are you trying to find your love? Are you trying to find what we saw Jesus get, the affection, the affirmation? Are we trying to get that stuff from friends? Who's directing your heart? Is it coming from God and his agape love? Or who's directing your heart? Is it that guy? Is it that girl? Is it family? Who's directing your heart? The scripture's telling us that we need God to direct our hearts toward him. I wrote it this way. Whatever consumes your heart will consume your life. Whatever consumes your heart, consumes your life. Therefore, we need our heart to be filled with God kind of love, agape kind of love. I wish I could get up here and tell you, oh, take this step and that step, and we're going to talk about practical things. Oh, you know, if you do this and say this this way, all of these things will come together in your life. But if you do not learn how to fill and consume your heart with God, none of those things will come into place. Can I get an amen today? 
So we need God to guide our heart. I wrote it down like this. If you feel your way into a relationship, you'll feel your way out of it. Everybody talks about, I feel this. Oh, I feel this. Oh, you know, we started hanging out and I started feeling like maybe we should do this and feeling like this. No, we aren't a people who live on feelings. Are you with me today? One time in scripture, we saw someone fell in love. I just fell in love. I just stumbled and fell in love. You know, that terminology is not in the scripture except for in one place. You see the scripture say that one couple fell in love with each other and their names happened to be Samson and Delilah. And that didn't turn out so good for them, did it? We can't be a people who follow our feelings. If you're a believer, listen, we don't feel our way into action. We act our way into feelings. Our behavior, our determination is what we need to do. I I thought about it like this. We don't feel our way through our relationship with our spouse. We don't feel our way with our kids and with our family. No, we act until our feelings line up with what the word of God says. Can I get an amen? I'll close with this. My last thought. The enemy always offers counterfeit. I mean, no, God created everything. He created everything and he called it good. Do you know that the devil can't create anything? All he can do is counterfeit it. So he can take something good that God made, put makeup on it, disguise it, sell it to you as something else, but he can't create anything. He can only counterfeit. And so the entire world is going all around right now and they say, oh, hey, you need to do this. And it's a counterfeit. Oh, if you do this, you'll find love. And if you do this, you'll find love. And if you do this, you'll find all these kind of things. Even to the point that like literally we we have such a misconception of what even making love means. We got a bunch of, oh, this weekend, oh, I met this guy, this girl, and we made love and I never called her back. You didn't make love. You know what I'm talking about? It's all counterfeit. It's all this whole fake. It's not, it's all counterfeit. Agape love, God kind of love. If we can connect into the love that God has for us and poured out for us, that's true love. Scripture says that God says this, if you love me, God's saying, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Now that sounds very threatening. Well, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Caroline's on the front row. And she'll mess around me and she'll try to get away with something. And then what do, she, what do you say to me? You say, you say, I love you, dad. She'll try to get away with something. She'll say to me, I love you, dad. And what does dad say back to you? I say, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. <laughs> I love you, dad. I'm trying to get away with something. No, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And so I always play around with her that way. But that's a misuse of that scripture. It's a total misuse. What this scripture actually means is this. If you love me, if you, if you understand agape love, like if you've let your heart be filled and consumed with God's kind of love, agape love, if you love me, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Why? Because you're in love. Things that you love, you take care of and you follow along with their desires and you understand what I'm talking about. I wrote it down this way. We don't have a sin problem. We have a love problem. If you love me, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Because when we're in love and we have agape and we understand God's love and his love for us, it's easy for us to not walk in sin. It's easy for us to, it's not easy, but it's easier for us to love our neighbor and walk in relationships properly. Why? Because it's easy to live out these commands when we're in love, agape love with God. Can I get an amen? 1 John 4, 11 says this, Dear friends, since God so agape, unconditionally and divine, loves us, we then also ought to unconditionally and divine love one another. 
Like relationships really, really, really matter to God. And so we got to dig deep into what true love is. I, I was pulling, I was messing with the kids again as I knew I was going to preach this sermon. I was pulling like some of the most famous love quotes in a movie. And they're totally ridiculous. They're like, it's just so crazy. So it's like everything that we see that is love. It's so counterfeit. It's not agape love. Will you accept this rose? Will you accept this rose? Because I love you, you accept this rose. Of course I will gladly. And the 17 other women behind me as well. And like, you complete me. You know, like, you complete me. The movie's crazy. We just watched a... Uh, to kill a mockingbird or something where the crawdads swim. I don't know what it was. We just, I suffered through one. I'm waiting for two hours for it to get good. Oh, I read the book. It's amazing. You're going to love it. I, I, God, God, this is kind of a spoiler, so I'll say it the least that I can. This dude comes in. He's like, I love you. She's like, you gave me a feather. And then, she's, and then he's like, marry me. She's like, we're already married. We're like geese. And, and everyone's like, oh, and I'm like, what, did, what even happened right there? Not even, it's an amazing book. You'll love it. Olaf, you're melting. Some people are worth melting for. They were like, oh my God. It's so skewed. It's all so crazy. I think we'll do a lot better if we get off, if we get back to like what God's design for love is. His affirmation, his acceptance, his, you know, are you with me? So please commit to the next couple weeks. Let's take a look at what God says about how he loves us and how we love others. And I believe we can see revival in relationship. Amen. Let me pray for you. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for the way that you love us and lead us. God, agape love, divine and unconditional. We, Lord, we need that. We desire it. Lord, guide our hearts toward that love. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.